great podcast today you don't want to miss. Uh, there is something going on with the cyber hacks, and it's really disturbing. And I'll show you what makes me feel that way from the White House press conference yesterday. Something's not right. I feel a setup is coming. Not that there's collusion, but don't let a crisis go to waste. You know what I'm saying? Also, Dr. Fauci and so much more on today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. So Dr. Fauci has had now thousands of his emails released through the Freedom of Information Act starting at the beginning of the pandemic. And the story isn't getting very much coverage, except for the few glowing headlines from the ever-reliable mainstream media. But let's take a look at first how they want you to view this story. Then I'll show you what's really going on in those emails and what's being completely ignored by any of the mainstream media and how Zuckerberg and others are all involved in this. From CNN yesterday, thousands of emails from and to Dr. Fauci reveal the weight that came with his role as a rare source of frank honesty with the Trump administration's COVID-19 task force. Wow. From the Washington Post, the correspondence from March and April 2020 opens a window to Fauci's world during some of the most frantic days of the crisis, when the longtime director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases was struggling to bring coherence to the Trump administration's chaotic response to the virus and President Trump seeking to minimize its severity. From CNBC, Dr. Fauci's 18-hour workday includes two breaks and answering, quote, emails until I'm too tired that I just can't do it anymore. Wow. Wow. He's a saint. So that's the media narrative. That's what the arbiters of truth have decided is the main takeaway from the Fauci email dump. You're supposed to take away that Dr. Fauci is... Mother Teresa in pants, just a poor old man who has worked tirelessly, emailing people until one in the morning, never taking a break, trying his best to make the most out of a confusing and scary time, while also battling against the corrupt and idiotic Trump administration and their supporters who attempted to thwart Fauci's heroic efforts in every turn. So don't even bother to read the emails. We read them for you. There's nothing there. Just a poor white man, old really, muzzled by an evil orange bully. Except that's nowhere near what's actually going on in the emails. The media have done what they have done for decades. Um, they completely ignored what cuts against what Trump and conservatives have been saying all along, and they show you how grossly unprofessional and unqualified Dr. Fauci was, and still is. So let's take a look um, at what is explicitly in the emails, starting with Dr. Fauci admitting that he was never muzzled by the Trump administration. March 2nd, 2020, Dr. Fauci responded to an email asking if he'd ever been felt muzzled by the Trump administration, stating, I've been very explicit in say stating that I am not being muzzled or censored. I say exactly what I want to say based on scientific e evidence. 
I've stated this on multiple TV programs of the past few days, including at major press conferences with many, many reporters present, including TV cameras. I could not possibly be more public about this. No censor, no muzzle, free to speak out. Hmm. So there we are. Dr. Fauci in an email debunking the biggest claim from early on in the pandemic that Trump was censoring Dr. Fauci, refusing to allow him to speak freely about science. So right off the bat, a major reveal in and of itself uh, about the press. We know that it's not true that they're still carrying water for it. But let's go back something uh, to something that he actually stated in the email. He said, I say what I want to say based on scientific evidence. Really? Really? Scientific evidence, Mr. You know, double, triple masks. He says what he, what he wants to say based on scientific evidence. Well, let's look at masks. We all know how big uh, Fauci is on masks. He's the biggest reason why so many Americans are the mask police that they are today. So what did Mr. Scientific Evidence originally have to say about the effectiveness of masks? February 5th, 2020, Fauci responded to an email from a woman asking if she should wear a mask at an airport while traveling, stating this. Masks are really for infected people to prevent them from spreading, spreading infection to people who are not infected rather than protecting uninfected people from acquiring infection. The typical mask you buy in the drugstore is really not effective in keeping out the virus, which is small enough to pass through the material. Something we have been saying for a very long time. I do not recommend that you wear a mask, particularly since you're going to a very low risk location. In another email sent February 4th, Fauci stated, most transmissions occur from someone who is uh, symptomatic, not asymptomatic. All right, so what did he just say in those emails? Not only did he explicitly state that masks are not beneficial to prevent you from getting COVID, but he also threw in that he doesn't recommend wearing a mask at an airport, calling it a low-risk location. Well, gee, I know our Department of Homeland Security just issued orders where if you're not wearing a mask at the airport, they need to treat you the same. And I'm quoting as someone who is trying to smuggle on a gun or another prohibited item onto the plane. How many months have we been through with mask mandates now? People claiming that if you don't wear a mask, you'll get COVID. Then you'll pass it on to millions because, you know, and you'll be the cause of deaths of everybody's grandma. Why do airports still have mask mandates in place? Why? This is something Dr. Fauci admitted early on. So what has changed? Why hasn't he recommended the end of the mask mandates for uninfected people and airports? But that's not all. That's not even close to how much these emails exposed how unqualified and irresponsible Dr. Fauci was during the pandemic. Remember when Trump recommended hydroxychloroquine and everybody went haywire, claiming that Trump was suggesting citizens poison themselves with a drug that has no proof of being affected. Well, March 18th, 2020, uh, the physicist Eric Nielsen sent Dr. Fauci a lengthy email claiming multiple things, such as his belief that China is lying about their death count, the origin of the virus, 
the mislabeling of flu deaths as COVID deaths in the U.S., but most importantly, his studies showed that two drugs, Alvesco and hydroxychloroquine, being safe and efficient ways to fight against the virus. What was Dr. Fauci's response to this? March 19th, 2020, Dr. Fauci responded simply, too long for me to read. Okay, you didn't even read something about hydroxychloroquine? Hmm, okay. He knew the origin at the time. The origin of the virus was most likely man-made in China. But maybe that was too much to read as well. I don't know if you saw what Tucker Carlson did last night, but I want to quote him on uh, several of the emails that Fauci uh, wrote and are available because of the Freedom of Information re- uh, um, a request from BuzzFeed. And they go back to the early winter of 2020. At the very beginning, the emails show that Fauci was worried that the public might conclude that COVID had originated at the Wuhan Institute of Viro- uh, Virology. Now, why would Tony Fauci be concerned that Americans would conclude that? Possibly because Tony Fauci knew perfectly well that he had funded gain-of-function experiments at the very same laboratory. Remember, gain-of-function was banned by the Obama administration. But for some reason, after Obama left the White House, somebody just okayed it and sent the money. Emails now prove that Fauci lied about this under oath. Consider the exchange which began the uh, evening of January 31st, 2020. It was Friday, just before midnight. The first email came in from an immunologist called Christian Anderson, who works at the Scripps Research Institute at La Jolla, California. Anderson warned Fauci that COVID appeared to be possibly manipulated in a laboratory. Quote, the unusual features of the virus make up a really small part of the genome, less than 0.1%. So one has to look really closely at all the sequences to see that some of the features potentially look engineered. The very next day, February 1st, Tony Fauci wrote back, thanks, Christian. Talk soon on the call. Fauci then sent an urgent email to his deputy. The subject of the email, all caps, was important. Here's what the email said. Hugh, it is essential that we speak this morning. Keep your cell phone on. Read this paper as well as the email that I forwarded. You will have tasks today that must be done. Mm. Attached to the email was a document entitled uh, Barack she et al nature medicine sars gain of function dot pdf now the barrack in the attachment referred to ralph barrack a virologist based in the u.s who collaborated with the wuhan institute of virology barrack worked with a woman called dr she known as the bat lady because she manipulates coronaviruses that infect bats now Keep in mind that during the questioning from Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky fairly recently, Fauci denied that this same Ralph Barrick had conducted gain-of-function research. Again, this is the Ralph Barrick in Fauci's attachment that was entitled Barrick She et al. SARS gain-of-function.pdf. Yet under oath before the United States Congress, Fauci denied this. Listen. 
Dr. Barrett does not doing gain-of-function research, and if it is, it's according to the guidelines, and it is being conducted in North Carolina. And if you look at the grant, and you look at the uh, progress reports, it is not gain-of-function, despite the fact that people tweet that. Okay, tweet. It was also in his emails. We know that starting last year, a lot of people in NIH were worried that COVID had not occurred naturally. Tucker Carlson last night pointed out that there were, they were concerned it had been instead manipulated in a lab in China. And yet they seemed determined to hide those facts from the public. Again, why? On the afternoon of February 1st last year, Fauci held a conference call with several top virologists. Most of the detail of that call are hidden from public view. They've been redacted. We know the call was related to a document entitled Coronavirus Sequence Comparison. Jamie Farrar, a British physician who runs a major research nonprofit, reminded everyone on the call that what they said there was top secret. Quote, information and discussion is shared in total confidence and not to be shared until agreement on next steps, end quote. In other emails, Jeremy Farrar passed along an article from the website Zero Hedge. That piece suggested the coronavirus might have been created as a bioweapon. Well, Zero Hedge was uh, banned from social media platforms. Why is that? Well, for the last year, it has not been allowed to even be discussed. Now, why can't you discuss it? Well, the fact checkers wouldn't allow it. Why wouldn't they? Because Tony Fauci assured the tech monopolies that the coronavirus could not have been man-made. And so the tech monopolies shut down the topic. Listen to Fauci. A group of highly qualified evolutionary virologists looked at the sequences there and the sequences in uh, bats as they evolve. And the mutations that it took to get to the point where it is now is totally consistent with a jump of a species from an animal to a human. That is not true. We just revealed on this program last week that there is no evidence that it ever jumped from an animal, from a bat to another animal, to a human or from a bat to a human zero evidence in fact they can't reinfect bats bats won't get the coronavirus it they won't it won't take to them how is that even possible the best of the glenn beck program the founder and president of turning point usa the host of the charlie kirk show uh, and uh, and a friend of the program who just got back from his honeymoon. Welcome, Charlie Kirk. How are you, sir? Great, Glenn. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. Congratulations on your uh, on your marriage. It's uh, it's only going to get better, better and better. Thank you. Yeah, we're we're thrilled. So the country is doing terribly, but we're actually doing quite well. So we we had a yeah. marriage just about a month ago, and then went off the grid with no phone for nine days, which. It was actually awesome. I encourage everyone to do that. It was it was phenomenal. So th- yeah. thank you for saying that. Yeah, nine days. That's that's. Uh, I recommend thirty. Uh, but if you can get nine days, God bless you. Um, you have a young women's leadership summit, uh, 
and it's happening, I think, next week in Dallas, is it not? That's right. Yeah. So we have our, our Young Women's Leadership Summit, and we'll have about 2,000 young conservative women attending from all across the country. And we have some phenomenal speakers, many from The Blaze as well, which we're super thrilled about. And th- this is really to, and we've been doing this for five years, but this is really to train, equip, and empower these young conservative women uh, about how to fight for freedom, fight for liberty, and then properly explain those words as well, which I think we need to continue to do, fight for those things on high school and college campuses. So we're thrilled. We're, we're happy to be doing in-person events as well. And then as a sidebar, Glenn, uh, I'm actually going to be speaking at our friend Dave Barton's deal and uh, he's going to show me some fun stuff. So that's all I'm going to say about that. So I'm going to do that while I'm oh, yeah. it's going to be a fun week next week. Yeah, good. Good, good, good. Yeah. The um, American Journey Center is is amazing. You will see a lot of really cool things. Um, uh, so, Charlie, tell me what the difference is between when you were in college and what's happening now. What What has changed? That's such a good question, Glenn. And I think you'll, you'll appreciate this and enjoy exploring this with me, which is when I first started Turning Point in 2012, there was a lot of libertarianism in the conservative movement. And there's a lot of things that I agree with libertarians on uh, firearms, freedom of speech, uh, the lockdowns, for example, um, on this program, you and I talked about how the lockdowns were immoral and unconstitutional. But I think that the conservative movement um, I think on a couple issues went far too libertarian, um, especially on the issue of immigration uh, and on the issue of corporate tyranny. And you've covered the tech issue really Agreed. well, Glenn. But but it seems as yeah. if with the tech issue, a lot of our leaders have been reluctant to act because they have hid behind abstractions and they have not really, I think, acted with prudence or practical wisdom. When they just look at what's in front of them, not the talking point or the slogan or the ideology, and instead just look at as it is, say, huh, Google's a trillion-dollar company. They can turn off Glenn Beck, Charlie Kirk, and Steven Crowder in a moment's notice. And so that's, that's resonating with a lot of younger conservatives. And I'm not going to say I, I regret some of that kind of energy that existed back in 2012, 2013. I think it was overemphasized. I don't regret reading Hayek or von Mises or Rothbard, but I also wish I would have read Kirk, Burke, and T.S. Eliot as well and understood that there is a place for um, tradition, an eternal transcendent moral order, a a national cultural identity, and not just always, in my opinion, um, just just saying that we must be the progressive conservatives and trying to always change things for change change sake. So here's the here's where I, I'd like to explore with you because the idea that we were um, one beyond the uh, beyond the Constitution and the Bill of Rights really came from Woodrow Wilson and FDR. Not exactly conservatives, to say the least. They were the ones that gave us the national anthem. They were the ones that standardized the flag. They were the ones that said we all have to really kind of be alike. And that began to take our differences apart. And I think, you know, I, we, we do have to have a common heritage um, and, a, and a common understanding of the, the truth of our history, both good and bad. 
But I, I don't like the idea of saying that we all have to agree on whatever. I, I don't have a problem with California doing what California is doing. I live in Texas, and I don't live in California for a reason. But if they fail, I don't want to pay for it. It's their idea. I'll help defend them, and I'll defend people's rights, but I don't need California to live the way I want them to live. I just want them to live with the basic understanding that the Bill of Rights are absolute. Yeah, and I and this is really the discussion that's happening right now, Glenn. I think you hit it perfectly, which is what really does Texas and California have in common? Uh, outside of a unified currency, Not a lot is, is it still the same? Yeah, and that's, that's the, the Federalists. Right. Hamilton and Madison writing as Publius would say that's that's okay, but is it sustainable? And I don't know if it is. And I I don't know if California. Well, no, wait, 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 wait. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable if we don't have the critical things in common. And that is our Constitution, rule of law and Bill of Rights. If you lose those things, if we don't say all men are created equal, all men need to be protected from an injustice, uh, you know, uh, all men have the right to speak, petition their government. They have a right to publish what they think is is news. They have a right to carry firearms to protect themselves. Those things are are eternal truths. And that is enough to hold us together. But we don't agree on those things anymore. Oh, I I totally agree with that, Glenn. Absolutely. And I think one of the reasons we don't agree with those things is they've used they've used. I don't want to say liberty against us, but that that actually might not be the worst way. In some ways, yeah. Is they. Yeah. And they've used a very uh, nice lifestyle, um, a non like we don't have to be engaged and get involved in the current moment. Um, where you can enjoy your life. And meanwhile, the activists are working their way to the long march of the institutions. I, I completely agree mm-hmm. with you on, on the, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights portion of it. I, I do believe, though, that because of mass immigration and critical race theory, which you've done a phenomenal job of covering, we are seeing, I think, an unprecedented cultural decay, which is then manifesting in these other sort of very troubling trends, whether it be statism, this bend yes. towards authoritarianism and then corporatism, which is the kind of just latest variation of of authoritarianism now in the kind of the corporate landscape and realm. But especially on the issue, yeah. the two issues that I think that we must you know really focus on is the immigration issue, because we must have control over who's coming into our country and whether or not they share our values or even they're willing to share our values, because you're right, Glenn. One of the reasons why California feels like a different country from Texas is because uncontrolled mass immigration of people that very well might not have the same sort of willingness or worldview to embrace the Bill of Rights or Constitution or willing to do so over a long period right. of time. And we are now right. seeing that um, materialize in voting trends and cultural trends. You know, the one thing that I've been very wrong on my my whole life has been uh my support for uh corporations and it's it's not an anti-corporation place that i have come to it is an it's an anti-crony capitalism place it is the merging of the uh the two systems of the free market 
and the government. They have all of this power and they have used it in a way I never thought possible. And that is they have made an end run around the Constitution. And all of us conservatives are the ones who allowed it to happen uh, because we all said it's a private corporation. They can do what they want. No, not when they're involved with the government. No, they can't. I, I totally agree. And I, I was right there with you, Glenn, where I said, look, who are we to tell Google what they can do? Well, first of all, they actually have the power to shut off other businesses. People use Google ad searches. They use YouTube as their way of life. And the fact they can just haphazardly shut off someone's way of life because they don't like your political viewpoint should have been a warning sign for me. However, with that being said, these companies, especially you know, Facebook, Apple, Amazon and Google, they're not capitalists. And this is something I think that we need to recognize and realize they're trying to they're trying to create a monopoly and they're using conservatives love of the free market against us to try to have us not intervene against their monopolistic style behavior. Now, mind you, I think that at its ultimate, every business owner should try to create a monopoly, meaning they should try to win in the marketplace. This is a different type of behavior. This is no duty, no responsibility to the nation or to the Bill of Rights, coming back to what we said, from these companies. Google doesn't care about freedom of speech. They care about corporate power. They care about pandering to China far more than keeping up somebody's YouTube page that might be a conservative. Mm -hmm. And and these corporations, I think, have there there's this there's this tension point between rights and duties. And we don't talk a lot about duties because as you say it can have a bend towards totalitarian, um, totalitarianism like Woodrow Wilson and FDR. With that being said, I think a non-coercive duty is that if you become worth $100 billion in America, you should ethically have some sort of loyalty to the nation and not finance the Center for Technology and Civic Life like Mark Zuckerberg did for $400 million to usurp our voting laws or to then use Google as a singular point of a Democrat super PAC to prevent Hunter Biden's story from being spread. So I share that with you, Glenn, and I think the entire conservative movement is ready for massive action. Yeah, now I, I'm going to take a break, and that's where I want to come on massive action, because I agree with that. However, uh, I don't want statism telling people what they have to do once they pass a threshold. It comes from love of country, and there's always going to be bad people out there uh, that will do bad things. And I don't know how to balance liberty um, uh, it, because there is no real balance. There is no real justice. Real justice comes after our lives. Um, and uh, we can only do the best job we can. And I don't like a state telling people. You have to do this or you cannot do this. Um, but we are in a flex point where we have to come up with a decision on how to deal with this. And I just hope we land on the side of liberty um, so we don't scoop people up that shouldn't be scooped up. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program.
American economy is in trouble. Uh, I believe we are going to, all of us, uh, be in for about a 40% haircut when they change the dollar to a digital dollar. It is coming. I just don't know when. Inflation is coming. I just don't know when, but we're printing more and more money. Fuel and wood skyrocketing. Most people's jobs won't keep up with inflation at some point. Food prices are rising fast. Taxes are going up. Whether you want to admit it or not, we are facing tough times. Please take some of the pressure off of yourself right now and prepare for what is coming. Right now, you have an opportunity to save $50 off of a full four-week supply of really good, calorie-rich meals that the whole family will love. My Patriot Supply makes it easy to stay prepared at all times, and everything ships fast and discreetly to your door. Everyone should have at least a four-week food supply on hand, and you can save $50 now on this supply. Please don't put it off any longer. Go to preparewithglenn.com, preparewithglenn.com. I saw one of my favorite uh, videos, I think maybe of my life. There is the cutest, cutest little girl and her dad, and they're talking about critical race theory. You wouldn't think that would be good, but if you've missed it, watch and listen. Daddy teaches you you can be anything in this world that you want to be, right? Don't daddy teach you that? Yeah, and it doesn't matter if, if you're black or white or any color. Doesn't matter if you're black, white, brown, yellow, yellow. right? Black. And, and how we treat people is based on who yeah. they are and not and what color nice. they are. And if they're nice and smart. See, this is, how, this is how children think right here. Critical race theory wants to end that. Not with my children. It's not going to happen. My baby's gonna know that no matter what she wants to be in life, all she has to do is work hard, and she can become that. Work hard even though you don't know anyone. You can make friends. <laughs> yeah, you can make friends, no matter what color they are. So we need to stop CRT, period, point blank. Children do not see skin color, man. They love everybody. If they're good people, they love them. We pray for people that are hurt. Oh, my gosh. So cute. Dad of the year has got to go to the father of that child. Corey Yeshua, uh, welcome to the program. How are you, Corey? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. Your daughter, how old is she? Uh, she's six. She's going on seven. She'll be seven in July. I think she's six going on 20. She is so adorable and so full of life. Um, so tell me why you made this video and, and wh who you are and when you became an activist, I guess. <laughs> um, well, I have, a, I have a pretty long story, but I'll just start with why I started doing social media and putting videos out. Um, so... I have brothers, and one of them is in prison right now, and one of them was murdered. And I started seeing things that are going on in our community, and I, I wanted to know why. You know, I wanted to get to the to the root of it, so I started to research. You know, the Democrat Party and history of the Democrat Party, and you know, I looked at Thomas Sowell and I see Larry Elder. And, you know, all those guys, and, um, yeah, they pretty much woke me up to what was going on, you know, and, um, yes, I learned the history, and I, I'm like, man, I'm tired of seeing what's going on, I'm tired of seeing 
Um, my brother, my brother's actually in prison. I don't know what he's doing. I don't think he's got his uh, sentence yet, but he's been back in prison. I haven't had his friend for 15 years right now. And I'm like, hang on, hang on, Corey, Corey, hold on just a hold on just a second. Your you, the phone is getting so garbled, I can barely understand you. Uh, can you go to a place where your signal is a little better? And maybe we lost him. <laughs> That's uh, Corey Yeshua, uh, Yeshua uh, the uh, father of this beautiful little child. I think her name is Royalty. Uh, and uh, he is talking and speaking out about critical race theory. He was just talking about his brother in prison. His best friend is doing 15 years in prison. Another friend was killed five months ago and lost another friend to drugs. And uh, he started to uh, do his own homework. Go ahead, Corey. Are you back? Yeah, yeah, I'm back. Um, yeah, so okay. I pretty much learned the history, and um, I started speaking out, and that's that's how it started. And the video with my daughter, um, they actually played a video in her school that was on, like, segregation. I remember seeing a, a white water, uh, white-only water fountain. And I addressed the principal about it, and he said he didn't know anything about it. Because a lot of times the teachers just implement this stuff or show the kids this stuff. And, yeah, so that, that kind of woke me up to that. And then I see what's going on with critical race theory in the schools. And, you know, a lot of parents are, are writing about it and things like that. So, yeah. Corey, what you, what you spoke about um, is... I mean, right out of the gospel or right out of Martin Luther King. And Martin Luther King is now being deemed through critical race theory as wrong, uh, that only racism uh, will solve racism. It's, it's an insane idea. Tell me what you found out about critical race theory. Uh, yeah, I just started seeing different um, curriculums that were being either sent out to parents or sent to different schools. And basically, the just that I get out of it is that, you know, white people are oppressors, you know, and young black kids are oppressed and they can never amount to anything because they're oppressed. And, and white people will always be oppressors because of the color of their skin. And, you know, like you said, that goes directly against what Dr. Martin Luther King um, stood for, what he said, you know, mm -hmm. the content of people's character, not the color of their skin is what you should judge people by. So, yeah, man, I, I, I just had to um, I had to take a thing. How uh, how are you being received online and in person now that <laughs> you've gone so viral? Uh, I would say the majority of the people that I talk to is like support, you know, I would say more so my, my more controversial videos would be like when I go against BLM or, you know, things like that. But, uh, this video, I would say is more so support and like love and yeah, people appreciate it. You are uh, you are quite amazing. It is it, it's been alleged that uh, you were censored uh, on this with uh, with TikTok. Is any of that true? That is absolutely true. I didn't even know about it. Somebody, um, well, actually, a few people wrote me and told me that they couldn't hear the sound on the video, 
And um, it's, I guess it's still up right now, but the sound is still off. And they, and I guess, you know, they could try to claim, like, copyright oh or something gosh. for the music. But I have other videos up with that same song, and they never took sound off. So. Wow. Wow. How many views does it have now? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's like uh, mid-20s, like 20,000. What? Yeah, this it's, it's, it's crazy. only twenty thousand. Yeah, I think you're being suppressed. I think you're being suppressed. Right, and I have wow. like two hundred and seventy thousand followers on TikTok, so it's, it's crazy. I don't. It's weird. That's unbelievable. Uh, well, keep speaking out. It is. It is great. Royalty has. That's your daughter's name, right? Right. Right. That's her name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, royalty has a bright future in in front of her, and you are a spectacular dad. Did you have a great dad, or how did you? Yeah, yeah. My, how did you my, become my this guy? My, my dad's amazing. My mom's amazing. Um, I come from great grandparents. My my great grandfather was actually um, exiled from uh, Barbados for preaching. My my grandfather was a preacher. You know, so I come from people that that speak out against, mm. you know, wrong. Mm. Good for you. Corey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. God bless. Thank you. I, I appreciate you for having me on. You bet. Uh, could we play the video again? You have to grab this video. I'll, I'll tweet it out, but you, you have to grab this video and send it to everybody you know. This is just one of the sweetest videos you'll see. Daddy teaches you you can be anything in this world that you want to be, right? Don't daddy teach you that? Yeah, and it doesn't matter if, if you're black or white or any color. Doesn't matter if you're black, white, brown, yellow, yellow. right? Black. And, and how we treat people is based on who yeah. they are and not and what color nice. they are. And if they're nice and smart. See, this is, how, this is how children think right here. Critical race theory wants to end that. Not with my children. It's not going to happen. My baby's gonna know that no matter what she wants to be in life, all she has to do is work hard, and she can become that. Work hard, even though you don't know anyone, you can make friends. <laughs> yeah, you can make friends, no matter what color they are. So we need to stop CRT, period, point blank. Children do not see skin color, man. They love everybody. If they're good people, they love them. We pray for people that are hurt. We, uh, Stu, will you do me a favor? Um, will you uh, have one of the producers reach out to Corey? I was just thinking as I'm watching it that their, their excuse is, is that he is using music that he says he's used before, but they've never uh, censored. Let's take that out. Uh, call Sam or our composer or Nick and uh, score an original piece just that long that you know sounds like that but it's an original piece of music uh and let's send it to Corey so he can take off the other music and use music that we've scored for it can you do that uh yeah yeah let me uh let me get on that because if that is if that's the excuse fine then we'll just score some new music for it. we have we have some amazing producers uh, in our stable and a, uh, a composer that has won all kinds of awards and has scored 
anything from games to movies to TV shows. Uh, and uh, we work closely with him. And I know he would love to score that. So just get on that and, and let's reintroduce it uh, to TikTok and Facebook and everything else uh, and see what their excuse is this time. Na, na, na.